Girlfriends, episode number 19, How to Make and Keep Friends. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Happy, happy new week. How was your Mother's Day? Did you enjoy it? Was it a disaster? Were you disappointed? (laughs) You know, I shared about Mother's Day in a recent uh, newsletter that I sent out to my list. And if you're not on my list, get yourself over to daniellebean.com and sign up so you can hear from me once a week, talk about different topics, kind of related to the topics we do here at Girlfriends a lot of the time. But I'd love to have you join my email list. Anyway, on the email list, I've talked a little bit about Mother's Day and how we kind of set ourselves up for disappointment sometimes. We moms do this. Yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about. But, you know, sometimes we feel a little weird about Mother's Day. And I've had terrible, terrible, terrible Mother's Days because I had expectations that I wasn't verbalizing and they weren't happening for me magically. And I wound up having feelings of disappointment and resentment and not wanting to show that to my family. And, you know, that's just a recipe for passive aggressive behavior, (laughs) at least in my life it is. So I don't know if you experienced any of that yesterday. Um, For me, it was a really nice day. I have realized in recent years that um, birthdays, holidays, Mother's Day, anniversaries, I'm much better about chillaxing about this stuff now that I've been married. Oh, gosh, Um, I guess it's going to be 23 years. So now that I've been at this thing for actually that long, I'm just barely beginning to figure out how to be happy, (laughs) even on these days where there's all this social pressure and expectations and anticipation and whatnot. um, I, I find that I enjoy these special days much more when I have zero expectations. And that means not that my family isn't doing stuff for me. They always are. They they make efforts. My husband's great and he always goes out of his way and out of his comfort zone. I mean, yesterday he was cooking. This is not something this man does very often. In the kitchen, um, with the help of one of my older daughters, made a brunch. And it was, I mean, for me, going in with the expectation that, you know what, I I, I do I want to admit, I do want my family to recognize these days. I do. And it's important and it's okay that you want that. But what I realized in contrast to my younger years is that if I am mostly feeling happy inside of my relationships with family members and inside of my marriage, if I am mostly feeling appreciated and recognized, um, you know, the other 364 days of the year, then Mother's Day is not a big deal. It's not a big deal if it you know comes and goes and it isn't you know uh, the most fantastic thing you've ever experienced or if they're disappointing things that it's not a big deal if I'm feeling good in my relationships and good in my marriage all the other days of the year. The problem is when you're not feeling good about those things, when you're not feeling appreciated, when you're feeling disrespected, when you're feeling taken for granted, when you're feeling depleted and wiped out and nobody cares or notices. That's when I think we tend to put 
all of our eggs in this basket of Mother's Day. Finally, one day they're going to acknowledge me and I will feel appreciated and respected. It doesn't work that way. In fact, (laughs) it's a recipe for disaster because if you're not feeling appreciated and recognized and valued, and that doesn't mean it's all hearts and flowers and people are throwing you a parade every minute, but if you're not feeling generally, in general terms, happy and peaceful about your role in your family or in your marriage, you're not feeling appreciated and recognized, then you're you're much less likely to be satisfied on that one day that you're putting everything into and hoping for, putting all your expectations and hopes and dreams into, that there's something else that needs to be addressed there. There's something else going on all the other days of the year that you need to think about and talk about. And it's not going to be solved by the perfect Mother's Day, even if your family manages to pull it off, which they won't. Trust me, they won't. So anyway, that's that's sort of my thoughts about Mother's Day. I mean, I love having an opportunity to appreciate my mom. And um, we had a nice family gathering where we did that. It wasn't just for Mother's Day. I've got a brother who's moving away. And so we were having sort of a goodbye party for him in conjunction with Mother's Day this weekend. So that was nice. Um, And then on Mother's Day itself, I had um, a great dinner that Dan planned for me. Besides the brunch, he made me dinner, which was a chocolate cake and a margarita. (laughs) Um, You know, I I like his menu planning skills. And he based it on... um, Just recently, I was laughing and remembering how last summer I stayed up late one night watching, you know, dumb movies really late, eating chocolate cake and drinking margaritas. And that the next morning I got up and I ran 10 miles because that's what I had planned in my, you know, running program at the time. And then I felt great. And I was bragging to Dan about this recently saying, oh, that's an athlete's diet. Obviously, that worked out great for me. And so anyway, he remembered that I was joking about that and that I had enjoyed um, that combination of chocolate cake and margaritas. Not so easy on your stomach, so I don't recommend it for everybody. But anyway, um, that's what he made me for dinner, which was nice. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, getting the kids dinner and whatnot. So to me, it was a perfect day, low key. And I didn't have high expectations, not in a mean way, not in a, oh, they'll never do it right for me kind of way. But in a, you know what, let's just enjoy being together today. And so that was really nice. And I hope you managed to enjoy your weekend in some way, shape, or form. Give me your feedback about Mother's Day. I'd love to hear it because there are always feelings and thoughts about Mother's Day when um, women get together. One of my sisters and I used to always have a day after Mother's Day phone call where we kind of give the rundown on how it went and what happened and how I managed my feelings and all of these things. And we haven't needed it so much in recent years. I think maybe we're growing up or something. I'm not sure what's going on. Speaking of growing up, my son, who is a senior, had the prom this weekend on Friday night. Now, I need to talk about this here because I talked about it on social media a little bit. Um, If you want to see pictures of him and his beautiful date and how handsome he was in his tux, check me out on social media. I put it all on there. But this idea of the prom versus prom. Tell me, when you went to this special dance in high school, did you say you were going to the prom? Or did you say you were going to prom? Because I've noticed that the the got dropped somewhere. And it kind of bothers me because my kids make fun of me when I ask them about things about the prom and who's going to the prom with whom. They laugh at me because nobody says the prom. I guess that's so 1988, which is when I went to the prom with my husband. See, I just said the. 
I can't cure myself of it. I will never sound cool when talking about this event. I'm okay with that. Anyway, tell me, do you say the prom? Do you say prom? What do your kids say? And when did this happen? And how come nobody told me until I had teenagers who were making fun of me? Anyway, getting to this week's topic, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about making and keeping friends. Because, you know, back in... uh, Yes. Oh boy, I'm not going to remember the episode number now, but I'll put it in the show notes. We talked about how to be a better friend. And that was important. And a lot of people um, emailed me or sent me notes on social media saying, this is an important topic. I really need help with this. And I didn't feel like we addressed the topic really completely in that episode because we were talking more about supporting a friend through a crisis, um, how you can do that, how you can handle your own feelings of frustration and inadequacy when a friend is going through a crisis and how you can do that, which is very helpful, but more so on this general topic of female friendship. And I say female friendship because that's what's important here. Okay. Don't we don't need guy friends. We we've got we've got our significant others. We've got our husbands and whatnot. We've got brothers and dads. I, I don't think we need in the same way that we need female friendships. We don't need male friendships. Um, and this is something I'm always emphasizing to women is the fact that we need each other. We need each other. Do we know that? Do we accept that in our hearts? Okay. And then once you do, how does that translate into action in your life? How good are you at making and keeping your friendships? Is that something that comes naturally to you? Because that's actually um, one of my first points. Besides the fact that this is important, women need the kind of encouragement and affirmation and support that we can only get from other women. It's true. You need a girlfriend for certain kinds of jobs, for certain kinds of emotional support that we all crave and that help us to feel satisfied in our roles as wives, as mothers, as workers, as volunteers, as sisters, as daughters. We need other women to affirm us in those roles. We need other women to build us up and encourage us. And we need to be that source of encouragement and affirmation for other women. We need it every bit as much. So it's important to seek out those friendships. So besides the fact that it's important, and let's just accept that it's important, and we need to make time for this in our lives. My first point that I want to make is that this is harder for some people than for others. You know, the the notes that people sent me on Facebook and whatnot last time we talked about friendship were things like, this is very hard for me. I honestly don't know the first step toward finding healthy female relationships. I mean, and I say healthy because we all know we've experienced the toxic kind, okay? And you might have to go back to thinking about your high school or your college years, but we all have. There's a lot of potential for things to go downhill, for things to go poorly in relationships between women, especially when things like jealousy and competition get in there. But talking about the idea that this is a valuable thing in your life, this is an important thing in your life, but people experience it in different ways. And some people find it really, really challenging to find friends, to make friends, to hold on to friendships, to nurture friendships. Now, you may live in a great community, and this comes easily and naturally to you. But I think it's important to kind of examine what your personality type is when it comes to friendships. Are you the person who's always going to be initiating? Does that come easily to you? Well, then maybe that is a role that God's asking you to play. Because you know what? There are a lot of women on the other side of that for whom initiating conversation, initiating relationships and friendships is very challenging. If you're one of those women who finds it very challenging, if you're very introverted, if you're very shy, I think 
I say we because that's the that believe it or not, that's the direction I tend to be in. That I do find that difficult, and it's something I've found difficult throughout my life. But it's something that I have worked on. And you know what? The more you work on it, the more naturally it comes. The easier it becomes to do that. The more it becomes a habit. The more you realize oh, I went and started a conversation with somebody I didn't know, you know, whether it's at your church or at the playground or in the grocery store, and the world did not come to an end. And she received my contact graciously and seemed actually interested in talking with me. You know, the more you have those positive kinds of experiences, the more you're you're going to be open to doing them more in the future. And the more naturally it's going to come to you, the more you're going to value it and recognize the value of it as you see the the fruits of that in your own life. So if you're one of those women for whom it's very difficult, it's okay to admit that it's hard for you and set a reasonable goal for yourself with regard to friendships. Um, One of the women that I heard from on Facebook was saying that she's in a new area. Uh, She had some friends in in the place where she previously lived, but now has none and she knows she needs to work on it, but she's putting it off because it takes effort. It's hard. And it's not something that comes naturally to her. If you're in that kind of a situation where you feel like you're kind of starting from scratch with friendships, then, you know, set a reasonable goal that is maybe making contact with one new person each week, whether it's at your parish or um, something that your kids are involved in with your kid's school or whatever it is, wherever you happen to run into people to make that effort. If you don't happen to live a life where you're running into people with whom you could possibly pursue a friendship, then maybe make that your goal. Find places where you can do that. Find places where you might meet up with people who have things in common with you. Join a group at your parish. Join a book study. Um, You know, there's dozens of things that you could do. And yeah, it means possibly stepping outside of your comfort zone, but that's part of what I'm hoping to encourage you to do this week um, for that goal of achieving a friendship growing a friendship. Now, you might find yourself in a place where you do have friendships, but everyone's so busy, you never have time for each other. You might text here or there, but it's sporadic. You don't get together on a regular basis. I get it. I know. I do this too. Uh, Sometimes the same way that I find that I get in the bad habit of kind of taking uh, my husband for granted and pushing my marriage to the back burner when things get busy, I tend to do the same thing with friendships. Like life is busy, work is busy, I've got this crisis with a kid or whatever's going on. um, And you kind of just push that aside, don't have time for that. And, you know, of course, life, you know, has a certain ebb and flow to it, a back and forth. And there are going to be times when you're busier than others. And it's okay to make accommodations for that. But we need to make sure we're not getting into the habit of always pushing off friends and nurturing our friendships. And one way you can do that is to have a regular kind of standing appointment um, with a friend or a group of friends or whatever it is. You might have a running group, a walking group. You might have, um, you know, just women who get together for coffee or even just one friend that you meet with on a regular basis. That's great. You know, not everybody needs dozens of friends. I personally would find it exhausting to have dozens of close friendships because, to me, it's 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 great when I interact with, with friends, but it's also uh, something that drains me. 
<laughs> socially and mentally and emotionally drains me in a way. So having those kinds of interactions with many people throughout the course of any given week, I would find exhausting. And I know this because I've done it, you know, whether it's through work and and or through my social life that the times when I've had more than what I find my comfortable level of social interactions, uh, I need time to kind of regroup from that. So it's okay to recognize those things about yourself and adjust your goals accordingly. You don't have to have dozens of friendships. Maybe you, you're really just seeking one close friendship or two or a group of friends maybe that aren't exceptionally close, uh, but they share your circumstances and you can kind of be there to support and network with one another and, um, you know, get together on a regular basis. So that's the other way that you can kind of make sure that you're not uh, pushing your friendships to the back burner. The same way making your marriage a priority sometimes means, yeah, putting a date on the calendar and respecting it. Do the same with your friends. Do the same with your friends and recognize the important role that that plays in your life. The next point I want to make about our friendships is, have you prayed about your friendships? It's not something that a lot of us maybe think to do. It doesn't maybe always come to the forefront of your mind when you're um, spending time in prayer, but it is that important. If you're seeking a friend in your life, if you're feeling lonely, God knows that. And so you can ask him in your prayer time, please help me to find a friend. Help point me in the right ways. Help me to to recognize the opportunities that exist where I could find friendship, um, something that's going to support me in my role as a wife, as a mom, that, you know, we all need that kind of support. And it's a need that God recognizes. It's a healthy need. It's a normal need. It's a natural thing that we all long for. So to not feel alone, bring that to your your prayer time. Or if you do have a group of friends and you're not sure that they're that supportive of you, I know I've had um, women share with me that they've found themselves, you know, as they grow in their faith or as their family life changes, that they find that the old friendships that used to be really meaningful to them sometimes change. And it's okay to admit that friendships change. Sometimes friendships end. And they can end in dramatically bad ways. I think we all know that. But they don't have to. Sometimes they just end because people kind of drift apart in um in a way that's okay. That you're kind of in different places in your lives now, you know, like I think of girlfriends that I was real close to in in high school, a couple in college as well, that I'm no longer close to. And there wasn't some big dramatic end to those friendships. And it's okay. And if we saw each other now, we'd probably have a great time catching up and really enjoy each other's company. But we kind of went different directions. And if you move away, that can certainly happen. So it's, it's sad sometimes, and it is a loss, especially if it's been someone that you've been close to. But it's okay to recognize that friendships change. And if you're going through a transition like that, that is something that you can bring to prayer. You know, ask God to help you to see what your relationship with that person should be like. Ask God to send people into your life or to um, show you the opportunities where you can seek out people in your life that will help you to grow in your faith life, that will help you to feel nurtured inside of your, your role in your family life, that that's ultimately what's so important. So think about praying about it. I know I've done this um, personally, but I've also done it for my kids. Um, and that's where it can really click for you and make sense that, of course, you know, God wants wants good things for our children. And I've had kids at certain times that really just kind of need a friend and they're having difficulty finding their place and, you know, going through a transition in life or with school or whatnot. And it's 
it's nice to to be, know that God cares about those things too, and you can bring those things to Him in prayer. So you can pray for your kids' friendships, but then don't forget to pray for your own friendships. Don't forget to pray for your own social needs because they're needs. They're exactly that. It's a need. And lastly, I want to mention the idea of thinking about how good you are when it comes to friendships, of offering and receiving help. How good are you at giving and receiving in that way that friends do? Because that's what it's all about, right? Um, That's how friendships grow. That's how friends can support one another is by offering help to one another when they need it, as we talked about in that previous podcast where Sarah Reinhardt was sharing about supporting her sister-in-law through a, a real crisis in life, and other people have shared about that, that, that you know, how we can give to others in that way, that's what, that's what friendships are built on. Um, but the flip side of that, I think, you know, maybe that giving of help is something that comes naturally to most of us. It feels good to be the one who gives the help. But we all have times in our life where we need help. And how good are you at receiving that help? Because I can tell you that the friendships in my life that have really grown have been those where I am open to receiving help from the other person. Sometimes our pride gets in the way, though. You don't want to admit you need the help. You don't want to impose on other people. If someone's offering to take care of your kids while you're going through something or somebody's sick or whatnot, you know, it's our our inclination sometimes is to be like, oh no 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 no, I got it. And no, I'm all set. You know, I don't I don't want you to have to do that. And you know, think about though how that feels to the other person. And are you letting your pride get in the way of what could potentially be a growing friendship, a closer, more intimate relationship with someone who obviously cares about you by rejecting their help? Think about the way that you feel. And how good it can feel to share your gifts with someone else, to have that opportunity to give and to serve to someone that you care about, to kind of build up your community in that way. And then give that gift to somebody else by maybe swallowing your pride a little bit and accepting their offer of help. I know it's hard. And I know our reflex is sometimes the exact opposite to kind of close in on ourselves when things are hard, to reject help out of a sense of pride, out of a sense of, I'm strong enough, I can do it. But Really, that's the place where I think friendships really grow is inside of that give and take, inside of that being vulnerable with one another, opening yourself up a little bit, you know, being vulnerable in that way to show your weakness, to show that you do need help because nobody really has it all together. It's okay to admit that, you know, that you don't have it all together, that sometimes you fall short, that sometimes you need support. It's okay to admit those things. And that's really the kind of thing that's life-giving to friendships and relationships that we have with other women. When we allow people to care for us in that way, when we allow people to be that support for us. And then you know what happens is you're much more likely to feel comfortable offering that support to them in the future when circumstances are reversed and they're in the in the need of help. I know that I sometimes I'm, you know, I live in New England. We're very closed off. <laughs> We're very private sometimes. And sometimes I think to a real fault, we can be cold with one another without meaning to be. It's just kind of part of our culture. I realized this a uh, few years back when my family and I took a trip to South Carolina and, um, we were staying on an island. Was it an island? Okay. Anyway, these details don't matter. We had pulled up a boat and had a bunch of stuff on the boat that we were transferring to a four-wheeler that we were going to bring to where we were staying, like coolers and all of our luggage and whatnot. And 
when we got there, it was me and one of my boys, and we were kind of unloading our stuff. And, you know, the boat was overloaded with stuff. It was a big job. And there were these young men who were who happened to be there as we were doing this job. And, you know, this was in South Carolina. And they just came over and without even saying a word, started helping us to unload our stuff, which was an obvious need we had. I mean, we could have sat there and done it ourselves for sure. But it it was just, you know, they were just sitting there and it just seemed so obvious, like, hey, why don't you help out? But I never would have asked them for that help. And it occurred to me as I was appreciating their help and was grateful for it, that I wouldn't do that for someone else, that that wouldn't be my natural inclination to just reach out and help someone else in that way. You know, it was our stuff. They were touching our stuff. And I wouldn't naturally just assume that someone else wants me grabbing their stuff and helping them to unload it from a boat. But of course, that's what I wanted. Of course, that was very helpful to me. And that situation kind of helped me to clarify my thought about my approach to offering help to other people. It was kind of a very basic example, but something that goes on in all of our lives in various ways that do we sometimes tend to avoid or avoid offering help or just pitching right in and giving our help asked for or not out of a sense of respect for other people's property or privacy. We don't want to intrude. We don't want to impose. Of course, some level of that discretion is appropriate, but I know that that's something that's in me is that hesitation like, well, of course I could help out, but um, I don't want to impose. I don't want to I don't want to make assumptions about what they they need me to do. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It's it's good to think about the needs of others and then think about ways that you can respectfully and appropriately offer your help, even when it means pushing a little bit outside your comfort zone. So that's what we've got to chew on this week with regard to friendships, female friendships in particular. How how do you approach this topic? What are you good at when it comes to friendships? What are you bad at? What do you need help with? What what are your struggles with this? What are some success stories you've had with regard to growing and nurturing and seeking out female friendships in your life? I mean, this show's called Girlfriends, so you have to give me that kind of feedback. Let me know how you're doing with regard to establishing real-life friendships with real-life women who can encourage and support you. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can reach out to me on social media, facebook.com slash daniellebean, or give me that voice feedback that you know I love. Go to daniellebean.com, click on leave voice feedback, and let me know what's on your mind. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. This week, I had the chance to talk with Mary Beth Hicks, who's a columnist in Catholic Digest. Um, she's a mom. She's an author of several books. She's a sometimes radio host. She's just an all-around awesome lady who shares so beautifully and practically about parenting that I know you're going to enjoy everything that she has to share. Take a listen. Happy to be welcoming a special guest here today on Girlfriends. Mary Beth Hicks is with us here today. 
Mary Beth Hicks is a columnist, speaker, and author of four books on parenting and culture, most recently, Teachable Moments, Using Everyday Encounters with Media and Culture to Instill Conscience, Character, and Faith. Mary Beth has appeared on numerous national media outlets as a parenting and cultural commentator. She also works as marketing director for Faith Catholic, one of the nation's leading Catholic publishers. Mostly, she's a wife of 29 years to Jim Hicks and an empty nester mom to four young adults. A Michigan native and Michigan State University grad, she and Jim now make their home in Savannah, Georgia. And you can follow her on Twitter at Mary Beth Hicks. Hey, Mary Beth, welcome to Girlfriends. I am so glad that you're here with me today. Well, thank you, girlfriend. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we've known each other for a good while, um, mostly on Twitter. <laughs> I know. We got, we, you were one of my first real Twitter friends. I was oh. like, there's a person on the other end of this, and she talks to me. It's so fun. Yeah, I love Twitter for that. Some people just really get Twitter and really get that vibe there, and you're one of them. So I, I love connecting with you there. And then you have a regular column in Catholic Digest, so we've worked on that. And then you- It's amazing you haven't fired me from that. <laughs> Uh, every time I, I mean, then, then my last go around strategy was turn it all in at once because then she really can't fire me or at least. That's right. You know, you did. Not till, at least not till next year. Yeah, yeah. You rocked my socks off. I'm like, oh my gosh, she sent in like a year's worth of columns all at once. So <laughs> yeah, no getting fired from that. I love that in a writer. So awesome. And now we get to share a little bit here on Girlfriends. Um, and I love that you shared that you're working with Faith Catholic. Um, I think a lot of people don't, re- don't really know what Faith Catholic is, but it's a, a public you're based in Michigan, right? Yep. That um, owned by the Diocese of Lansing, yeah. Right, and they they put together a lot of probably people get some of their publications and don't even know it because they they um, help out dioceses with their diocesan publications, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we have, we do about twenty eight different diocesan magazines, but they're all I mean they're all really localized and they're very um, customized for the diocese where they're produced. And there's uh, there's always a a local diocesan staff person who oversees them and such. But yeah, we can be kind of like the back room to do a magazine. As you know, magazines are difficult to do. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of nice that they have that service available for diocese. So great. Well, I'm glad you're here. And today we're going to talk about less professionally, more personally, get to know you a little bit more. We ask the same questions all the time on girlfriends of our people who dare to come on. And the first one is, and you can talk about professional triumphs, but I, I want to know about a time, Mary Beth, when you first ever really felt like you triumphed. When did you ever feel a sense of accomplishment or achievement in your work or in your personal life? Wow. That is, you sent me these in advance. You would think I would have thought, <laughs> thought, thought twice and, and really thought about what those are. I think all of my sense of accomplishment, my best sense of accomplishment has come through um, being a servant leader in my family. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my vocation of being a wife and mother has been really what you know defines me. And then professionally, I've kind of worked out of that. So you know, I've had jobs where you just do the job because you need to help contribute to the family bottom line. Mm-hmm. But mostly the stuff that I've done has been you know, work that I've done, books I've written that I've been able to do because of the insight and, you know, dare I say, wisdom that I've gained, mm-hmm. you know, as a wife and a mom. And so I think probably my biggest, so it's both a personal and professional accomplishment, sure. um, I think, is, is when I published the first book, which was Bringing Up Geeks. And um, people should know that that's an acronym for Genuine, Enthusiastic, Empowered Kids. Yes, love it. it came out in 2008 and it was truly a labor of love. It was a book that I wrote um, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not a certified parenting expert or any of that. I'm just like an expert in the four children God, you know, chose to send my way. Mm -hmm. But, um, but did so much research and really, you know, threw myself into the process of, of writing a book and learning how to write a book and being, you know, had some mentors and people who helped me. And I was really blessed with that. But when that came out, you know, that box of books, you know, UPS comes to your front door and they drop off this box of books and you open it up and it's this thing you did. And this book you wrote, you know, know this feeling. It's like really wild. It's like, wow, I really did that. And these ideas that I had and I open it up and I still do that. I'll still open it up and read a page or something and think, dang, this was, this was pretty good. You know, (laughs) I think my, I mean, as a writer, I definitely feel sometimes like my best days are behind me, but, um, you know, that, so, and to have done that, you know, two more times after that to have written things that were uh, absolutely always came from a place of personal experience as a, as a, mostly as a mother, Mm -hmm. but as a, a parent with my husband to this, to these children and really feeling like I would love to share, I wanted to share what I've learned and what I, you know, how I do this. Um, and, and what I've learned about the culture and what I think other parents need to know. So yeah. that's probably my big writing a book. I'm going to say, right. I'll take writing a book. For two yeah. Months. And that is an amazing accomplishment. And I love that you, you talk about the fact that you're, you're not technically a parenting expert, but every one of us is in our own kids. And, right. and you're so right that you learn things along the way and being able to share that with others is such a gift and such a blessing. And I've really enjoyed your writing on parenting. I really feel like I, I click with it. And, you know, I, I especially loved that first book about bringing up geeks because um, and it's a great acronym, but at the same time, it was sort of what I want for my kids. I remember right. a few years ago, we went through a tough time with one of my sons in high school. And I just said to my husband one night, I just want him to be a geek. I just want to just, that is all I want for him because those are the happy kids. Those are the well-adjusted kids. Those are the ones who have, you know, meaningful friendships and relationships with others. And uh, so really, I can really relate to that. And You know, I I felt like really vindicated too because I, I, it turned out I was a little bit ahead of my time with a piece of research that came out um, when I, uh, just a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. this research came out and it absolutely you know, confirmed my, my premise, my thesis in the book, which is that it's safer and better to raise a kid for success in life instead of popularity in the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And it really did. It was a study that really did, um, quantify that people who were popular in middle school and high school did not turn out to be statistically as successful as the people who were not. And, you know, it's just everything you knew from a high school reunion was true in real life and true in a study. So, yeah, I always felt like, hey, yeah, I knew that. Sweet vindication. Yeah. Yeah, You sensed it as a mom. And, you know, I just actually was recently talking to a friend about this very topic. Who She has an eighth grade son, and she was talking to him about this idea of popularity because he was talking about the popular kids at school, how he's not one and whatnot. And what really came out of our conversation was – you know, they say the popular kids are the ones who are well-liked, but I don't actually think that's true. Like, the right. other kids don't like those kids, you know? Right. They fear them, and they, they you know, right. are in awe of them in some way, but it, they're not well-liked. The ones who are well-liked are the kind kids and yeah. the generous kids and the ones who are looking to build relationships. Yeah. So We actually learned to differentiate between popular kids and cool kids mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you can be popular, and if you're just strictly speaking, popularity means you're well-known and well-liked. Mm-hmm. But the cool kids are the ones who, you know, sneak behind their parents' backs so <laughs> and, 
you know, hold kaggers and, yep. you know, all the other things that make parents worry and make them crazy and stuff. So, and so my kids, like, they had a good, they had good friendship circles and stuff, but they were the other cross country runners, basically. Yes. And, you know, which is a definite avenue to be in a geek. And yes, a, I love it. In a good way. You know? I've got my own cross country runners in my family. Yeah. I was one, met my husband <laughs> on the team. So, yeah, oh, I'm a big fan of cross country. And exactly for that reason, I always would tell my kids, those are the good kids. You know oh, what? Absolutely. Small teams, good kids. And that's just really, yeah. So, if you're a parent out there wondering, <laughs> yeah, how, how can you, how, you're like, how can I find my kids the best friends? Make them be a runner. It's run, yeah, run it's through the good. woods. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Love it. Okay. Okay, well, moving on to our next question here. Can you tell us, Mary Beth, and this is a little harder to share, but we're hoping you're going to be honest with us about a mistake you once made. Also, again, either it was professional or personal. And what did you learn from that mistake? Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. So it's a parenting mistake I once made, and I've made so many. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't write a book unless you screw up sometimes. I know. But, That's how you learn. You, yeah, but you don't put the screw ups in the book. No, so no, I no. look really good in the book, but no. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so, um, I, the one time I had one of my, one of my daughters, Betsy, mm-hmm. um, I worried that she, I had said, I had said a gossipy thing about the mother of a friend of hers mm-hmm. and I worried that she had told her friend because I had run into the mom and I felt like the mom was being kind of off with me mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sure what was going on. And then it occurred to me that I, I bet Betsy had told this friend what I said mm-hmm. and it got back to this woman and I was kind of in a panic because I had done the wrong thing right? and I was really, and so, and then to compound the problem, I blew up at Betsy and she told me she didn't do this thing. And she had never revealed it, and I wouldn't believe her. Oh, gosh. And then it became this horrible thing until she finally, she must have been like nine, mm-hmm. until she finally, because I, I definitely made it clear I wanted her to tell me that she had done this. So then she, she lied and told me she did oh, do gosh. it. She, <laughs> she filed a false confession. <laughs> <laughs> this thing just goes from bad to worse. That's a psychological phenomenon that we oh. all hear about on the crime shows. Yeah, and it happened. In oh, my, my gosh. And then she came down later and she said, Mom, I know you're upset and you're worried about this lady, but I didn't tell her. I didn't tell the daughter that you said this thing, and I would never do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sorry that you don't believe me, but I didn't do that. And then... I was, you know, I felt like an idiot, you know, apologizing to my kid and I'm, you know, apologizing for gossiping really, which was obviously none of this would have happened if I said some snarky gossipy thing about some other mother who does that. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Everybody. That's the problem, you know. That is the problem. But it was just such a parenting fail, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, oh, everything I could have done, you know, I set a bad example. I was covering you know, worried about my own ego, I was covering my train, all the things. Mm-hmm. I was just all bad. And I had to recommit to really being a better example of what it means to be a friend and to not, you know, and yep. to believe people and to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's still like this. She laughs about that one to this day. And she's 24 years old now. Wow. Be, uh, remember that time you forced me to lie to you? Because <laughs> you were so panicked that this was mad at you. You know, it's just so dumb. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is, well, it's hilarious and awful, but it's good in retrospect. Now yeah. at least she could laugh about it and you can too, along with what you learned from it. Um, epic fail. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, I find that that's, that's a really tricky thing to set that good example. First of all, of the not gossiping in front mm-hmm. of your kids or at all. Okay. Right. But being, you know, being a parent makes me much more aware of the things that I'm saying and, right. and that my husband might be saying or the kinds of conversations we're having. Um, you know, one of the, a priest that we know once, once said to me, one of the best examples my parents ever set was that I never heard them say a bad thing about another person in my presence. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's an indictment right there because yeah. my kids aren't going to be saying that, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> so. Neither are mine. That's, yeah. under, that, uh, that's like, like with things you really can't do, it's like never drink wine before five. I mean, like that's right up there with the things you'd say, <laughs> wow, some people just really get it right. And I'm just going to go quarter to five. I think it's okay. You know? <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. And now I'm making myself sound like a lost <laughs> on the show, but. Hey, it's Girlfriends Radio, right? That's right. right. So, it's Girlfriends. So anything you know, goes here. We had Minnesota Mom on a couple of weeks ago, and she was joking, okay, joking about wine in her coffee cup at 10 in the morning. So <laughs> it was That's, that's <laughs> commitment. I can't even, I could never, yeah. No, I don't think my stomach could take that either. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, before we get to your lightning round, do you have, um, a, what's the best advice you've ever received, Mary Beth, and who gave it to you, and how do you try to implement it? Oh, any kind, like parenting advice? Anything, like yeah, anything stuff. goes. Okay. Well, let's see. I got great advice once from a, a wonderful writer, Catholic writer, he doesn't write anymore, but he used to, um, by the name of Tim Beat. Oh, I know. Used to, yeah, you know I Tim? He used he was, to run the Irma Von Beck Writers Workshop. Yeah, he was hilarious. Oh, he is hilarious. He's a lovely guy. I haven't talked to him in a couple of several years actually now, but um, he um, he he read something I wrote as I was just starting out as a writer as as a columnist, and he he read something that I wrote, and he said, you know, this this priest once told Irma Von Beck, "Writers write, and you're a writer, so you need to write." And he said, and I am telling you the same thing, and you need to just do it. And it was just such a affirmation, you know, that I was on the right track and that right. this career I was trying to pull together was going to work. Um, and, and it's been something I've tried to really give to other people. I get a lot of moms like us, and, mm-hmm. you know, who are also writers, so I'm sure you get the same thing. People, you know, email you or ask you, what, what advice would you have for somebody who wants to break into writing or blogging or mm-hmm. something? And my answer is write, write every day, write, you know, mm-hmm. give yourself a prompt and just, because if you want to be a writer, writers write. And that's how, so, I mean, it sounds like stupid, obvious no, advice. It's but. not though. It's not. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we do, like, I remember when I was first starting out, I didn't really have a goal in mind, but I felt that same compulsion to write. And I, I do share that with people who ask me now. And I know we've got some listeners who also are aspiring writers that that is great advice. Just do it. I remember saying that to a woman who approached me after a conference once to ask about getting started in writing. And that was really all I could say was just yeah. do it. I don't have a plan for you. Like yeah. get out there and do it and start putting your stuff out places and, you know, make connections with people. But you write every day, write every yep. day. And it's a beautiful way to, you know, um, work on your skills, but at the same time, get in that habit and really kind of become comfortable with your identity as a writer. Yeah. Yep. So that's my, that's my, that's that advice. And my best personal advice comes from my mother. And she always will say this to you when you're overwhelmed, or you're stressed and everything else. And some priest once said it to her and it's just that phrase, do today your nearest duty. You just have to, you know, when you're feeling like overwhelmed with all of it and you don't know where to begin and you're completely, you know, 
multitasking mom to the nth degree, just stop what you're doing and, and go, okay, what has to be done today? Like we need to eat. Like, right. so I should make sure there are groceries. Like that would be a good thing. You know, like sometimes <laughs> it's that basic, right? And yeah. So we do get caught up in how we can plan and fix and all that stuff. And so sometimes I have to stop myself and say, okay, what is today's nearest duty? So that's, those are my like two. That. Pretty simple. Very nothing, practical. nothing fancy here. No. I don't get, don't get too fancy. <laughs> Well, it's the practical, simple stuff that really makes a difference. So I love that. Do your nearest duty. And that's good advice for when you're feeling overwhelmed. That, you know, one thing at a time. Great advice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got time for your lightning round now. We're going to spend 60 seconds just quickly going through some easy, fun questions and get to know Mary Beth Hicks a little bit better if you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Mary Beth Hicks, lightning round on the Girlfriends podcast. Mary Beth, when you get a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Um, the show Nashville, if I, then I can watch it on demand. Oh, great. It's so dramatic. <laughs> no. <laughs> All love, right. Love. Oh, my next question was, what's your favorite TV show? We already got that one. Okay. So yeah. what's one thing you're surprisingly good at? Oh, I'm a good, I'm a really good cook actually. Nice. Okay. Oh. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Twitter or Facebook? Ooh, God, I'm going to say neither at this point. I'm so <laughs> sick of them both. I but. know. Yeah, um, Twitter for Twitter for work, Facebook for friends. Okay. And what's something that has surprised you most about being a mom to grown-up kids? Oh, how much wisdom they have. They And everything you ever said that was good comes back to you, which is such a gift. Wow. And, um, yeah, if you, it's just, it's, it's built-in girlfriends for me because I, I have two daughters that. and a son. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay. And lastly, years from now, St. Mary Beth Hicks will be the patron saint of what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Wine night. Nice. I'll make a little shrine to you. Well, that's it. You survived your lightning round and um, some great answers to some quick questions there. Mary Beth, I'm so glad that you came on. And before we have to say goodbye, um, give a shout out to something you're working on. What are you excited about? What's going on in your world these days? Uh, what am I excited about? Well, um, I, first of all, I'm grateful and excited that I continue to be able to be in Catholic Digest. So just Yay. throw that back at you. So that's one thing. Um, I am excited about the cool work I'm doing, which is, um, you know, it's Catholic publishing, but it's really evangelization. Mm-hmm. And I love working for a company whose mission is to, you know, bring people closer to Jesus and his church. And so uh, we have some new products and stuff we're putting out, which are really helpful and helping people to learn and then celebrate uh, the sacraments and stuff. It's, it sounds kind of hokey maybe, but it's really, um, it feels like a concrete way to help do something in the world. I love um, that. So, yeah. So important. Yeah. Well, working in Catholic publishing myself, my heart's right yes. there too. So, exactly. yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And thanks for all that you do, all of your ministry, all of your writing, even just the little bits you share on Twitter. It's so encouraging and inspiring to me, Mary well, you're Beth. you're welcome. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah. God bless you and your family. Thank you. You and yours. Happy to be a girlfriend. Absolutely. You're on now. God bless So if you loved what the awesome Mary Beth Hicks had to share, you're definitely going to want to check out her books, check out her website, check her out on Twitter. So I'll have all those good things linked up in the show notes at daniellebean.com for this episode. Number 19.
This episode of Girlfriends is made possible in part by everyday listeners just like you who pledge their support on Patreon.com. People like Christine, Dina, and David are among the first to support Girlfriends in this new way, where you can pledge as little as a dollar per episode in order to help support the production of this show. Go to Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Girlfriends to find out how you can give this podcast a little vote of confidence and support that will make a big difference. There are even some thank you bonuses you can earn with your regular support. I'm so grateful for every bit of help. So if you enjoy Girlfriends and want to support and encourage its regular production and distribution, please consider making your pledge today at patreon.com slash girlfriends. So I mentioned there that Dina is a Patreon supporter of the Girlfriends podcast. And I happened to notice that Dina was also one of my contacts on Voxer, which if you don't know about it, you should check it out. It's an app, Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. And with this app on your phone, you can leave voice messages for people. And it's a way that you can leave voice feedback for the show. But um, when I noticed that Dina had supported the podcast through Patreon.com, and that she was a contact of mine on Voxer. I sent her a little message, a little voice message on Voxer to thank her for her support of the show. And um, she replied to me there with some feedback that I'm excited to share with you here. She's um, talking about a couple of episodes ago, I think it was three episodes ago, so that would be episode 16, where I had shared one of her questions about helping her kids to share. She's got a bunch of little boys, and um, she and her husband were struggling with personal ownership of property and what's appropriate for kids and how you can really encourage them to share and respect the property of others at the same time. Um, And I had answered her question a little while back, and she shared with us this update. So here you go. Good morning, Danielle. It was a surprise to see a message from you this morning, and it made me smile. Um, Of course, I'm excited to help you, uh, even in a small way through Patreon. Anyway, I chose Voxer because I wanted to thank you for your advice on sharing that you gave on one of your previous podcasts and let you know how it was going. And since I probably will talk for longer than 90 seconds, I wanted to try to send it this way. First of all, since I forgot to talk about it last time, my boys are seven, four, two, and seven months. So they're still pretty young. Scott, my husband, was an only child, and I was seven years older than my brother, so we don't have any practical experience sharing with a lot of siblings, and I think we went a little bit to the extreme in our efforts to make them share. So your advice seemed really obvious when we thought about it. Anyway, last weekend, I got them each a small milk crate, and they spent Sunday separating their toys into their personal toy boxes, and it went a lot better than I thought it would. There wasn't a lot of bickering about whose was whose, and they were actually excited to have their own toy box. And it's been almost a week, and it's been working out really well. They are learning, even the little one that's two, to ask each other to use their toys, and the bickering has definitely decreased a lot. I think that they will take better care of their toys and our stuff, too. And as a bonus... For now, they put their toys back in their toy box and the living room is a lot safer to walk in. Anyway, I wanted to thank you for um, taking on my advice and for all that you do with girlfriends and all of your other projects. In a house that's full of boys, I always look forward to this little bit of girl time. I hope you have a great day. God bless. 
Thank you so much, Dina, for your supportive girlfriends and for that great audio feedback via Voxer. If you want to connect with me on Voxer, it is a great way that you can leave a longer voice message. If you click on that tab on daniellebean.com where it says leave voice feedback, you can only leave up to 90 seconds at a time, which if you want to do, that's fine. And if you want to do more than one, I'll piece it together for you. But if you happen to be on Voxer, if you want to check it out, go to voxer.com or um, look it up in your app store where you can put it on your phone. It's a super easy way that we can connect. There is a link to my Voxer profile in the show notes at daniellebean.com for every episode. So you could just click there and we can connect there. I'd love to hear from you that way. So thank you, Dina, for your support and for your great feedback. I also received this week some voice feedback from listener Natalie, who wanted to share a little bit of feedback from episode 16. That's where we had Minnesota mom, Margaret Burns on. And she shared um, some resources and some information about making your your sexual life, your intimacy and your marriage a priority. And uh, Natalie had this to share about that. Hi, Danielle. This is Natalie. And I've been listening to Girlfriends since the beginning. I really enjoy your podcast. I think you have so many interesting things to share, and uh, the people that you interview are uh, amazing in their diversity and their uh, their different um, interests. Um, I listened to episode 16, the interview with Minnesota Mom, and I just have to say that I was so happy to get the uh, recommendation for the book from your show notes, um, The Sexually Confident Wife. I went and got the book immediately on my Kindle and read it within a couple days, and it's just the perfect resource that I've been looking for after uh, being married for eight years now. Um, So I just want to thank you for that great interview with her and for the book recommendation. Thanks for all you do, Danielle. Bye. Thank you, Natalie, for that feedback. And um, I really appreciated the fact that Margaret brought up that topic here because I do think it's an important one. We talked a little bit about it there. Um, And for those of you whose interest is piqued now in that book, it is called The Sexually Confident Wife, and it is written by Shannon Etheridge, who is a counselor. Um, I really do recommend it, and I'll put it in the show notes for this episode as well, so you can check out that link and maybe buy it on Amazon, or I guess it's available on Kindle, as Natalie let us know. Um, One caveat about that book recommendation is that it's not from a Catholic perspective. Um, She's a Protestant, I believe, um, but a good Christian, and it's been years since I looked at it, but I have some memory that there may or may not be some references to contraception, things that are contrary to church teaching. But beyond that, the book is very helpful in helping women explore this area of their lives, explore what obstacles there might be to fully enjoying and experiencing this part of your marriage, ways in which you can work on this part of your marriage and make it a priority in a way that will really help you to grow in your relationship with your husband. It really is truly valuable for that. So I really do recommend that you check it out. And while we're on feedback, I have to share some what I thought was surprising feedback that I got this week from David. I'm just going to say David N. because it is a very Polish looking last name and with a lot of letters in there, a lot of Z's and C's and W's and K's. Anyway, I don't want to butcher your name, David, but um, I appreciate the email that David sent. I, I say it's surprising because 
Ladies, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but there was a guy listening, okay? This is what David says. Danielle, thank you for this great gift of a podcast. I must admit that I listened to one of the first episodes without really listening and kind of wrote it off as a good Catholic mom podcast. That's fine. I I don't mind being that. But anyway, but since I'm not a Catholic mom, I didn't expect to find much. Ah, silly me. It is wonderful, and I enjoy the episodes, though I still feel a bit strange listening like I'm eavesdropping on a conversation not directed at me. Thank you for taking the time to make them, and I promise to keep this endeavor in my prayers and put my money where my mouth is from time to time as well, which he has done. David is a Patreon supporter, so he's helping to make this episode available to you, all of you. He's supporting us women in that way. Um, David goes on, my wife and I have enjoyed your writing and watching your family grow. Thanks for sharing them with us. And I've always admired how you've never become a prophet of doom like too many of our co-religionists have become, especially of late. Know that you and yours have a special place in my prayers and those of my family. That is so sweet. Thank you so much, David. I really do appreciate this perspective from a man who's listening, which I think is great. You know, of course, this podcast is directed at women, but I actually listen to some podcasts from time to time that are directed at men that are directed specifically at husbands with regard to marriage. And I find those helpful. I think it's really um, a helpful perspective to get. And there's a lot that applies to women that applies to men just as much. There's a lot we talk about here just related to family life. I think it's great that you're listening, David. And thank you so much for your support at patreon.com slash girlfriends. And while we're on feedback and thanking people for feedback, I do want to mention a couple of listeners who took the time to leave girlfriends a review on iTunes this week. So Jessica, who's um, sharing on iTunes, gave me a review. And Anne-Marie, thank you so much for taking that time to leave your comments at iTunes to leave a rating and a review and hopefully hit that subscribe button because that really helps me out with the ratings in iTunes. It helps me get girlfriends in front of more listeners. Um, Um, to have those rankings in iTunes. So if you can go over there, if you have the time, I would really appreciate if you could take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to the Girlfriends Podcast. It's a great way you can support. If you're not able to monetarily support at patreon.com, you can always leave a review on iTunes. And like David mentioned, praying, I I am not at all being dismissive of that. I think it is so important and I so very much value when people tell me that they're praying for me and praying for the work that I do through the podcast and any other part of the work that I produce on a week-by-week basis. So I really do appreciate any level of support that you can offer to this podcast. Thanks so much. Listen up, girlfriends. It's time for the weekly challenge. We got this. Of course, this week we are talking about making friends and keeping friends and ways in which we can nurture our friendships and seek out new friendships that are going to be mutually supportive and affirming for us. So this week's challenge, I just want to ask you to take some time to examine what your approach is to female friendships in your life. In light of what we've talked about here today, do you have good friends? Do you make that a priority? Do you spend the necessary time working on and maintaining the friendships that you do have? Or do you put forth the effort required to seek out new friendships if you're in need of friends, if you're lonely? How good are you at giving and receiving inside of the friendships that you have? Think about these things. Find an area that could possibly use improvement in regard to your maintaining or finding new friendships. And then take a step this week toward improving that, even if it means stepping outside your comfort zone. You can do it. You can. Your efforts will really pay off in the end, I promise you. 
and then let me know how it's going for you. I love to hear from you and I love having the opportunity to add your voice to the podcast because you're really why I'm here. You're why I'm producing this podcast. It's for you. And I would love for you to be a part of it. I'd love to add your perspective. So thank you to those who gave me their voices and their perspectives this week. And thank you for just being here and for listening to what I've been sharing. Your presence is really important to me. It really does mean so much. Thank you for making me a part of your week. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.